Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Who are you? Uh, I am Evan Grant. You are Evan Grant. Uh, as we discussed on our um, on our Cowboys podcast, we are minus Barry Horn. We will not be going forward. And we had a long goodbye at the beginning of that podcast, and we won't go over all that again. Uh, but just to say that uh, that Barry, our good friend and one of the co-founders, uh, is uh, one of the victims of the, this industry is in the place that it's at right now. And uh, we will leave it at that. And uh, we certainly would ask for you to go listen to our Cowboys podcast and hear our tributes to Barry Horn on that. Uh, and you, you should be listening to our Cowboys podcast anyway. Uh, Absolutely. Because uh, I say very little on there. Well, that was, you know, that was one of the really pleasant things about it. I noticed it, it just felt good. While I, was, while I was listening and talking, I thought, wow, this is going so well. Yeah, because you talked a lot. <laughs> I looked over at you a couple of times, and you gave me that deer in the headlights thing, like you I, do. I did. I was looking but, at Facebook. Uh, <laughs> what has Gina written today? No, Gina hasn't written anything today. She uh, she did post pictures of the ziti that she made for me on Sunday. Um, but uh, I was just checking to see who's stolen my identity today. Um, oh no, that's been happening. No, no, no. I just assume that I'm you know Cambridge Analytica has. Uh, yeah, that could happen. Everything yeah. about me that. You should or don't, shouldn't know. Hey, there's something I need to ask you about here because this is a little disconcerting to me. I was I was made aware of this the other day uh-huh. that uh, that you had dinner the other night with a uh, uh, an Alan Peppered and uh, and as it made it clear to me he was not having dinner with you. He was having dinner with Gina. It 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 was a a very um, it was odd. Um, <laughs> so Gina's friends. With a woman from Flower Mound who's also who's engaged to a Flower Mound city employee, and Gina had worked in Flower Mound, so yeah. she knew the, both the couple, both members of the couple. The woman had worked uh, with another woman who. Um, but this is really convoluted. Who had all been in a Facebook group with Gina, and then they started talking in this Facebook group, and Alan knows both of these women. And they started talking, and the next thing I know, Gina's like, would you like to go have dinner with uh, Alan Peppard and these five other people? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, a- a- you know, now I feel like I'm, actu- now I feel like I'm actually a celebrity because on- Alan only dines with celebrities, right? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, we, uh, we had dinner, and, you know, I w- I'm going to give this up. Like, you know, you, you see uh, Alan Peppard used to be kind of the society columnist here. Is that the best way to describe him? Well, I don't know if that's he, a, he, he, That was one of his many roles. One of his many roles. One of his He hats. was an incredible feature writer. Yes, he was. Had great relationships with, with the Bush family. The and, Jones and, family. And the Jones family, the Murchison family. Sits in the Jones family box. Uh, so he, he's he's done a lot of very connected. features in, in, in takeout type stories. On on high profile people, yes, right, and uh, I I think we look at Alan as kind of a buttoned up individual, right? Oh no, he's crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> we went to dinner at this nice restaurant, 
And like, you know, I ordered a steak and Gina ordered fish and the other people all ordered dishes that you eat with knives and forks and Alan ordered ribs. And I just, it was, there was a juxtaposition there that was just. Oh, I think that says everything. Yeah. I don't think I can say this on the, on the air, on the podcast, a a story that once he and and Barry Horn were sitting in my office, we were all talking (laughs) and Alan all of a sudden goes, wait a minute, look at this. And he starts showing us video from his home office. He has a camera in his home office and there was something going on there that I don't really want to talk about, but but it was like I cannot believe this. But this, first of all, that you got a video camera in your home office recording things. I don't. It wasn't like it was a security camera. It was more like something else. I'm not quite sure of. He's a real character, Alan Peppert is, and uh, and really connected. I'm telling you, you know, like our good friend Barry Horn has written some fabulous features for this newspaper, and because of his connections and because of the people he's known, I just remember one time I was trying to get at a story. I was out at Jerry World, and I was having to wander around to try to find somebody in the stupid stadium, as you can imagine what that's like, right. and uh, because of something that had just come up, and I'm going by, I, I go by the. Uh, Jerry Jones box. And there's Alan sitting there in the box, you know, tweeting away about something. You know, it's just, that's so unusual that you would have that kind of access, uh, a newspaper person having that kind of access to Jerry Jones. Uh, But that's, that's just the kind of guy he is. And those are the kind of connections he has. He knows everybody. He He definitely knows everybody. everybody. Let me say this about, I don't even know why this came up. Cause you talk about food and I want to, I want to say this. uh, My wife will be very upset with me for bringing this up. We were in Arkansas last week uh, on my uh, my own spring break, uh, and we watched a lot of my son's uh, baseball games at Hendricks College. Uh, and we were in Little Rock one day, and my sister-in-law recommended a Mexican food place there. I won't give you the name of that place. Uh, I cannot tell you. She loves this place. I cannot tell you how bad this it was. Is, this, but this is what happens, Kevin. If you move... North of Texas. Yeah. Okay. East, north, west, it does not really matter. Yeah. Because New Mexico has its own kind of New Mexican cuisine. Yeah. Um, and California's got the whole Baja California taco type thing going on. Right. But you move. They got peas in there. You food. move north of Texas and you eventually crave Mexican food so bad that you have to give in and eat it. And at that point in time, your skills have become dull. <laughs> and, and so something comes out with a brown runny sauce on it and there's some tomatoey type stuff on the table and you're like, oh my God, this is so good. Yeah. And it's not, okay? No. Th- this is my advice to you. Yeah. If you, if you live in Texas, yeah. don't eat Mexican food outside of the state. Yeah. If you don't live in Texas, come back on vacation and eat Mexican food. And then go back. And then go back. Don't eat Mexican food where you live. Yeah. My well, dear friend, Mike Drago, another person who used to work here, yep. now lives in Connecticut, and he's trying to eat Mexican food up there. He's nuts. Oh, well, that's really stupid. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Now, then listen, I will say this. I've been in Hot Springs. He uh, got him some burritos with ketchup on them. I'm sure he did. Yeah. But in Hot Springs, there's a place called La Hacienda. Terrific Mexican food. And there, there are pla- there are outliers. No. There I, are outliers. I'm sorry. <laughs> listen, I'm I'm sorry. A, listen, I'm a Texan born and bred. But there are outliers, but they're, they're very few and far in between. And, and here's the thing. I'm never taking my sister-in-law's word about anything ever again. Not just food, about anything. If you could miss this much 
on Mexican food, then how can I trust you on anything? I will. How can I trust you with my children? And you know, this th- here's the thing. Yeah. This this brings up another memorable moment in our dear friend Barry's tenure here. Yeah. Um, he judges great Mexican places on whether or not he gets free flour tortillas. <laughs> oh my. Wow, that was just an all timer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But uh, give me free, give me more free food. But I, I'm sorry, I just I, you know there may be some outliers out there. Yeah, there may be. No, no, it's a good rule of but thumb. But I don't need them. No, no, I don't need them. It's a good rule of thumb just to live by that and not have that anymore. See, because here's my recommendation. I was going. I said the Big Orange. Have you ever been to the Big Orange? No. It's a Little Rock. It's a chain. Really good. Great burgers. And and really other, other food, really good. E- excellent food. And and after this fiasco at this Mexican food place, so Debbie says, well, and she's very she's very sensitive about this whole issue now because she recommended <laughs> it. And which I will have to say also, a roach showed up during the meal also. Was it La Cucaracha? <laughs> well, well, I want to say this, that Debbie... If you're in the same county with a roach, is is mortified, okay. you know. So we can't even talk about it because of that. But she said, "Well, no one, no one made a decision." She wanted to make it seem like that she made the decision. At least I made one. And I said, "Oh no, that's incorrect." I said, "Let's go to the Big Orange," and you said, "No, let's go to this Mexican food place." Well, Mallory says it's good. I will just say this, and I, as long as I've got you here, yeah, and as yeah. long as we are here on this week in food in Arkansas, yeah, yeah. Um, I've made reservations for a uh, graduation night dinner ah. um, in Fayetteville uh, at an Italian place, Vetro 1925. I think you told me you've been there. Well, that's where we had our graduation dinner. Oh, my God. There you go. That's a t- terrific place. So, And I told Nick, I said, this is where I got reservations. Nick is my stepson, yep. people. And I said, well, this is where we got reservations for. And he said, ha ha, I've heard of that. Uh, I think it's pretty expensive. That's why there were reservations available. <laughs> to which I responded, you're worth it. Wow. You're worth it. We will take you out for a nice dinner for your graduation. I just said, you can, you're limited to the spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, there you go. There but you go. Uh, yeah, I, so we have. It's a very cool place. We are all set for uh, graduation in Fayetteville. Um, honors graduation. I'm wow, sorry. nice. Congratulations. And then, and then the, uh, the graduation ceremony uh, in general on Saturday. Congratulations to Nick and to his mother and to his stepfather and to his father as well. Uh, and that that, uh, that that has happened. That is such a great thing. He, you know, he started out at another place, just happened to be somewhere in this state, in the central Which part of the his state. His sister will be starting out, and she is very fired up. Yeah, I, they're they're two different kids, and they're, they're two different things worked out for them. And Natalie is going to be a horn, and uh, Nick is is a Razorback, and he's already got a job. In your hometown. Ex, he's going to Houston. He's going to Houston, and he's I, I think he's going to be the next Roger Staubach. He's working for JLL. Is it really? Lang LaSalle, yeah. Wow. So congratulations so he's in commercial real estate. You know, that's yes, what my is. oldest son is in commercial real estate. Uh, but my kid's going to be in a, uh, a baron. <laughs> a baron. A David baron? <laughs> he's in Houston. There's a David baron there. There you go. All right, let's get to the Rangers, because this is as entertaining as this has been. Oh, my gosh. If people haven't nodded off by now, they'll never go to sleep. No, let me tell you something. If, I, I think they, at this point in time, would rather us talk about our children and our families because they bring us happiness. As opposed to the Rangers. As opposed to the Rangers who seem to bring my uh, my Twitter followers and my social media timeline nothing but sorrow and anger right Yeah, now. yeah. It well, has not been do? a good start for the Rangers. I'm gonna ask, here's what I want to ask you about. Before we get to the Rangers, I want to ask you about this, about this whole 
What is Shohei Otani? Was he was he did he have bets down or something? Because I saw him in spring training. I went to spring training and and went to the Angels place and wrote specifically about him and about how scouts were saying this guy needs a minimum of five hundred minor league at bats and he may not even be a hitter then. And he's and he's topping out at ninety five miles an hour, and he was throwing ninety eight and ninety nine in Japan. And what in the world is going on with this guy? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, let me stop you on one thing. Okay, First go of ahead. all, I, I remember after I think it was Darvish's second start with the Rangers um, or third start. It was in Minnesota, and a scout that I know basically stood up in the press box and said, "He's never going to amount to anything." I mean, loudly, <laughs> and you just can't make those kind of pronouncements. No. Um, on Otani as a hitter, I thought one thing, I, I was off last night, so of course I spent it watching the game on TV. Um, I thought C.J. Nitkowski and, and Dave Raymond did a really good job of showing a bit of uh, a film that showed Otani during spring training with a really big leg kick and showed him this week or last week when he was hitting without said leg kick. And they talked about how he had worked with Albert Pujols, of all people, on kind of eliminating this leg kick and to me, that said a lot, that he was willing to make an adjustment very early, that he's seeking help from guys like Pujols. Uh, those are the kinds of things that tell you this, this is an instinctive guy, mm-hmm. a guy who's willing to get better. Now, the one thing I will say about the pitching thing, okay, he's pitched twice against Oakland. I've seen Oakland. They stink. Yeah, they do. They're as bad as the Rangers, probably worse. Right. They're not a good hitting team. He's also pitched, I believe, both day games, okay? Yeah. It's hard to see – Day games. You know, mm-hmm. the, the game in L.A. I think was a 12.30 L.A. start. The game in Oakland, I want to say their afternoon game started at 12.30. It is hard to see in those games. Now, when he fit, when he faces a different big league club with a little bit more skill as, as in terms of hitters in a night game when it's easier to pick up the ball, I think we'll get a better sense. But it's been as encouraging a start for the Angels as they could possibly have. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing. now. now, But how do you account for the fact that he's throwing three or four miles an hour faster than he was in spring training? Well, I I think that, that you know, guys in general get stronger as the year goes on. But it's not not May. It's it's still April. Um, But I I do think – It just feels like to me that he was just saying, you know what, I'm not going all in here in spring training. Maybe that's the way he always is in spring training because I I don't know the history there. I don't know if he was always tentative, you know, until he gets ready to cut. All right, now the season starts, now I'm cutting loose. Right. Because that makes a huge difference. You're throwing (laughs) four miles. You're throwing 95, you're throwing 99. I also don't don't doubt the possibility that Mike Mike Sosha, as, as cunning as he is, would not have said, look, don't dial it up. Here. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, you're, you're we're not we're not looking for you to make the club in spring training. You just get ready. Right. Uh-huh. Well, I'll say this: it's a very small sample size, uh, obviously. And, and as you pointed out, there there are going to be dry spells and there's going to be things going wrong. I, I have, you know, listen. And then when we had guys like Deion Sanders playing two sports and we had Bo Jackson playing two sports, I was all for that. I mean, if, if Bo Jackson had just played baseball instead of football. He may have gone into the Hall of Fame, you know, as a baseball player. So there's a shame that his career was ended by playing two different things. Right. That's not going to happen to Otani. He's not going to. He's not going to hurt himself 
you know, physically, I don't think, from doing either one of those things, unless he gets hurt, you know, running the bases or something right. like that. Or he that. hurts his, he, you know, he hurts his arm as a pitcher. Yeah, but that that probably won't hurt him that much as a hitter. <clears throat> I wouldn't think. Well, if he, I mean, let's. Well, if he really blows it out, right. yeah, absolutely. And there is some concern about that elbow. I'm, I'm sure there is, but you know, at this point, and if I'm the Angels. You know, uh, as I, I saw that Bob Nightingale had had tweeted this, which was interesting to me, that before the season he was a uh, hundred to one bet to be the MVP. That that he's already now the favorite to be the MVP, along with Mike Trout. Which you know that's just that's just betting line. But here's the first thing. of all, it's betting it's 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 a betting line that is an online betting service that is promoting these things. True. And, these are all true, but the, but my point is is that this is a guy that all right the Angels aren't the Dodgers, you know they're not the Astros. They're pretty good. Uh, they can be in this position where we can try this. You know the Astros couldn't do this. You know uh, you you're a team poised to repeat as World Series champions or at least certainly World Series contenders. Um, if if you're a team like the Angels. Why not do this? Why not try this? Why not see if he can do both of these things at once? And and if he can, you know, and, I, and, and look, uh, he doesn't have to hit forty home runs. If he hits, if he hits twenty five home runs and and uh, and goes and, and wins, you know, thirteen games, then that's pretty good. That's pretty good to get all that out of one guy. So uh, I, I think that the, 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 to me. Uh, this all of a sudden now does have some some validity. And not that I thought I thought before before spring training I thought eh, we'll see how this goes and maybe it'll work. And then in the spring I thought, oh my gosh, he's just not ready for this. He just doesn't look he just doesn't look anything like the guy that everybody said he was on either side of the ball. You know, throwing or hitting. So and, and now all of a sudden, oh well, now he does look like that. So I'm not saying he's going to be you know he's going to be the next Babe Ruth, uh, but. I think one of the points you made about when Albert Pujols was working with him, you saw the reaction in the dugout. These guys really like him. You know, he's a a well liked teammate, and uh, it's not when they're shoving him out there to get a uh, you know a, a tip of the cap to the crowd. That doesn't happen very often. Right. So this tells you a lot about this guy and about how he's been received by his teammates and uh, and trying to do something that really because look. Here's the deal. They're making Albert Pools go out and play first base. Right. You know, that's not a good idea, I don't think. No, it's not. And, you know, I, uh, last night, um, just small, small thing, uh, Joey Gallo beat out the relay on a double play, kind of kept an inning alive, got a run home, one of those rare occasions <laughs> on which the Rangers right. actually scored. Uh, and, you know, Pools can't stretch to get a ball. You know, if he had been able to stretch, he probably gets Gallo. I think two things that showed – you know, Pools has no business really playing first base except for the fact that they oh. won his bat in the lineup. Right. Secondly, to me, it also showed, again, I thought Joey made, if we can actually talk about the Rangers. The who? Uh, the, the Rangers. Oh, okay. Um, I thought Joey made three above-average plays at first base last night to save uh, errors or to save errors from getting worse on bad throws Yeah. from Adrian Beltre. And um, I thought that he also showed – Again, that this guy, how athletic he is, by beating out what should have been a, a, a double play, a, you know, a bouncer back to the pitcher that should have been an inning-ending double play, and he's got, you know, he's a big guy and he's got good foot speed. So, for me, 
for me at this point in time, Breathless Evan. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I know Gallo's uh, Gallo. I think struggled a little bit with the number two spot over the first nine games. The Rangers moved him out of the number two spot, and I thought that was smart. I did not think he belonged in the number two spot. Let's talk about that for a minute. All right, go ahead. Uh, you know. Okay, you want to try this? I get, I get it. First of all, he's going to get more at bats in the number two spot as well. And there's a possibility, you know, that if if uh, when the Shields was still in the lineup and number one, that you know maybe this would change people's uh, ideal on the shift and get people out of that shift a little bit, maybe. And and uh, I get it, all the things. But you know, this was a little bit like the things that they were doing last year. You know, you know. Remember last year they're moving him around. They're moving everybody around, trying to find places for all these people. You know, let's make everybody, but you know, utility players. Let's have nine utility players out there, and um, and you know, uh, made it tough on these guys, young guys, to try to do that. So this year they go into the spring, and what do they say? You know what, Joey, you're going to be our first baseman, and that's we're we're not going to put you in the outfield. We're not going to run you over at third base when Nader needs a day off. You're going to be our first base. I applauded that uh, that move. Great, great idea. So then, so then, what do they do? They start the season. You're going to hit second in the lineup. What? Yeah. I'm going to hit second in the lineup. And you know, he didn't hit second until about the last week of spring training. And right. It, it got, yeah, I guess, a little bit sprung on him at that point in time. And and when when Jeff Bannister made the move on Saturday, he, the way he announced it was, you know, we're looking to get him in a little bit more of a comfort zone. Now, who knows what would have happened if the Shields had not gotten hurt in the uh, second game? Of the correct. Season. And it's entirely possible that when uh, when the Shields comes back, maybe the Rangers try this again. But at this point in time, I, I think that, that Joey – I still think you want a guy who hits for some average in the number two spot. Me too. Um, you want a guy who's going to make a little bit more contact. Uh, you look at the guys who hit number two, they are – well, Mike Trout hits number two. Mike Mike Trout hits number two a lot for 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 Los Angeles. Uh, Altuve hit number two a significant amount for Houston last year. Bregman hits number two now. Um, uh, Francisco Lindor hit number two a lot. Donaldson hits number two a lot. My point here is, yeah, they're guys who can do damage, but they're also guys who are going to get on base and make contact. Yeah, they're going to do a lot of things. And I, I think that's the thing that that is still kind of you know lacking from from Joey's game is. He is going to have to get on base a little bit more. You want you want three fifty, three forty, three fifty, three fifty in the first two spots in the uh, in terms of on base on base percentage. Right, those first two spots in the lineup. And I think you know if you get the shields back and you can go to shields two one two. Now all of a sudden, once again, I think you're talking about a dynamic one two ahead of however you want to stack three four five. Yeah, I agree with that. I you know the thing about. The thing about guys hitting, especially hitting four and five and even six, is that okay? They're not going to hit. They're not going to hit for average as much. Uh, they're not going to certainly not going to have the same OBP. But one swing and we get three runs, right. and and that's what you're looking for. And and you know, Joey hitting second, one swing, you're probably not getting two or three runs. You you might get one or two, uh, but that's it. So I just feel like that's probably. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm willing to look at anything. I don't ever just dismiss something out of hand and say, oh, this is an idiotic idea. Or very rarely do I think that. Uh, look, I mean, my, my initial impression was I'm not sure that I'm crazy about this, but I also feel like, look, you've got you've got a lot more analytics at your disposal and a lot more um, – you've put together a whole lot more 
simulations of what the lineup would look like with different guys in different spots and run those. I get it. There was some data that suggested this might be a way to go. I think it was good to react within a week after the Shields went out and say, we need to change this up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's talk about that and what's going to happen. You know, this was a question that came up uh, after the opener. Um, somebody said, uh, I, re- I, re- I thought about how the skipper was going to take this when it was asked, uh, how long a leash is Ryan Rua on? And... And I thought that I thought Jeff Bannister handled that pretty well. He just said he's our he's our left fielder now. Of course, he said now he did say that. Uh, how much longer? How long is the? I guess we can ask that question now. Yeah. How long is the leash on Ryan Rua? Well, he certainly got he's certainly been scapegoated by a lot of fans for this for this poor offensive start, and he's not off to a great offensive start. And when you look into Ryan Rua's history here, he has played in the big leagues in some capacity. Since 2014. Right. So that's why fans get frustrated. Right. Because he's been here a while. He hasn't really had a, a legitimate opportunity. He's had one month where he had more than 70 at-bats. That was his first month in the big leagues. It was September 2014. The Rangers were out of the race. It's September. They're facing guys who you know might not otherwise face. But he hit 301 with a 770 OPS, and it was very acceptable and sure. that's a lot of why he ended up as the starting left fielder in 2015 and then got hurt a weekend and since then he just really hasn't had a regular chance to play if i'm the rangers especially right now you know what are your other options you've right. got drew robinson in center field right you're not gonna at this point even if you decide you want to bring up willie calhoun i think you would be stupid to bring him up before may 3rd or 4th when he wouldn't use up his full year of eligible of uh, right. service time, so you give Ryan Rua this first month. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that after this first month, if he's had a month of playing every day against right and left handers, and you're not seeing results, if you want to make that call at that point in time, that's fine. You've got a prospect that you're you're willing to give a a longer look to now, or you decide you're going to play Robinson in center in left field when when uh, the Shields comes back. However you want to roll. But I think that 12 games in, it's still unfair to say, oh, this guy's got nothing. Oh, absolutely. And that, and that's what fans do. And I, and I, and I get that. It's no, it's no problem with that. I, I say the same thing. Because here, here's my thing about Willie Calhoun. I have not seen him play in, in minor leagues this year. So I, I don't know how he's doing. I don't know how he's handling playing left field. I don't know, you know what's going on out there. He, he clearly has to get better at left field. I, I don't think anybody disagrees when you say that this guy has big league hitting tools. I, I think you watch him hit the short stroke, uh, the, the frequent contact. He is exactly the kind of hitter. It would be better if he was right-handed. But he's exactly the kind of hitter that this team needs, a team that does not get a lot of high-contact guys uh, who have power. I mean, that's just that's a rare thing in baseball in general, uh, what he can do with a ball. Now, if he can play left field, I don't know. You know, that's that's the question for me. And and I know they want to get better in the outfield. And, you know, they've already had issues out there. Nomar Mazzara had a horrible game out there in Oakland. Uh, and and so we, we've seen what this outfield can do. And uh, it's unfortunate. And so it, it is a sobering thing to think, okay, yeah, Willie Calhoun does have big league hitting tools and is a real prospect there. But he is not a real prospect as an outfielder. And, and so – 
Did Not yet, and he's never. I don't know that he's ever going to be a great defensive outfielder. But I think that you have the ability right now, as you find out things, there is right now. If you bring him up and you shove him into left field, there's the possibility that some embarrassing things happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that could potentially impede his development on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Right now, you've got the opportunity. Let him play every day for a couple of weeks. Get your footing into this season and decide. Hey you know what, we're not competitive this year. Right. Or we're a little – make some decisions about this season, and then you bring him up and play him in a situation where he has better chance to succeed. What uh, What is the timetable on Delano? Uh, Delano, four weeks. Uh, he says he's going to be back in three. Uh, I, I think in general – That puts him when? May 1. May one. May one. So, so we're talking that could be we could have a couple of things happening then. Oh yeah, I mean, I I think you're going to see, you're you're very possibly going to see a lot of turnover with this team as as the year progresses. Uh, but I I do think that the other possibility is, you know, if you do get Delino back and you decide, okay, we've got we finally got our opening day lineup together again. If Odora's back by that point in time, right. Uh, then maybe you say we want to run with this for ten days and see what it looks like before we make any decisions. Right. But I think the way the season has started for the Rangers, very indicative to me of a team that is in transition, and that the signs were the fates from the heavens, losing Delino for four weeks right out of the shoot, um, losing Odor. It's all saying you know play your younger guys that are here and ready to go. And if that means Drew Robinson gets a longer look in left field before you call up Willie Calhoun, fine. But play those guys and start to find out about them. I'll say this. I think the signs were showing up as soon as they started uh, signing all those Speaking of signs of, the, of those pitchers, starting pitchers, so we we knew what this season was going to be. That was my my point. I, I, I here here the only thing I would qualify that on is we think we knew what the season would be, but we also knew we also had the, uh, understood that look, they're taking some they're rolling the dice here, hoping that they catch a lot of lightning in a bottle, and who knows, you know, could Matt Moore turn things around? Maybe. Uh, he's had two really bad starts out of the gate. Gets another one on Wednesday. Who knows how long they, they roll with that? But, yeah, I, I, I think the, the thing that fans need to understand is that when they did not get Otani mm-hmm. um, and then they started signing the guys that they did for the rotation, their idea was we're going to slow the whole process down, give our guys in the minor leagues the chance to develop. We'll see what happens in the major leagues. And if we have to tear down, we can tear down in July more effectively than we can now. True, all true. Uh, so we, you know, see, I had a thought and I was going with it, and then you interrupted me, and now I can't remember what I was going to say. It happens uh, when you're old. I know. Well, that's true. But but here here's the thing to me. Oh, that's what I, I knew what I was going to say. Is that when when John Daniels told us, well, we want to go with our young guys. Well, what are we talking about here? Basically, you're talking the 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 one young guy with real promise now. Uh, listen, Ryan Rua, if, if, if finally, he, who's who, who's what, 26 years old? Is that how old Ryan is? 
Ryan Rua is 28, I think. 28. He, he's not so young. No, he's not so young. And, 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 and Drew Robinson. He's young in terms of. Of experience. Experience. Yeah. And so, Drew Robinson is 26. Now, I, so, but, but, but my point is, is that you don't, you're not going to interrupt me again. I will if I want to. No, you won't. Uh, is that Willie Calhoun is a guy. This is a prospect. You know, Drew Robinson and, and Ryan Rue are, are guys that if they wander into your lineup and they end up being something, hey, well, great for them. You know, and right. that's a great thing. But these are not guys they were counting on. These were not guys that you were thinking, this is the kind of guys you're building your team around. They're not the kind of guy who was um, uh, traded for you, Darvish. No. No, um, that's correct. And, and, and so, but my point is, is that so then Willie Calhoun pretty much is that guy. When you talk about saying we're going to play the young guys, you were already going to play all the young guys. Here's here's what he said. No matter how good you were. He said we were going to take a look at the young guys who have been on the cusp of the major leagues here. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, the, the thing that I, I need to try and emphasize here is that these things don't always happen in a linear fashion. Okay. Uh, you know, from my perspective, um, sending Jose Leclerc down the day after he pitched out of a bases loaded no outs jam in Oakland, um, who's a guy who certainly figures into your long term bullpen situation, doesn't jive with that announced plan. Yeah, the idea yeah, of right. keeping Bartolo Colon um, doesn't jive with that idea. Keeping Colon and Jesse Chavez doesn't jive with that idea. But there are extenuating circumstances. Um, right now you're still trying to have some self-preservation and hold on to all your pitching talent. And if that means that you have to buy some time and you send Leclerc out, okay, that's what you do. Is there a reason for Willie Calhoun to go to the minor leagues right now? Sure. Yes, there is. And if you can buy some time while he continues to develop as a defensive outfielder, and maybe finishes off some other aspects of his game as well. Look, he's not a great base runner right now either. No. Um, well, he's just not very fast. He's not very fast, but he's not a great base runner. And It's an amazing thing. Let's think about that a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> how many guys, how many times have you seen a player who has his package? And this is a guy who who's really good power. I mean, this is a 30-home run guy in the minor leagues who, who hit for who hit over 300 and who has a high on-base percentage. This is a, a really impressive set of things going for him. He's short. He's slow. He doesn't have a good arm, and he doesn't have good hands. It's like, I don't know that I've seen a guy – well, we've seen guys like Dave Kingman over the years. You know, we remember guys like that that were, you know. But but Dave Kingman was, you know, he had a good arm. He, he, he sometimes would throw it up into the fifth row. But but uh, but this is a guy who really can't do anything else except that. Right. And he can be adequate out in left field, as you said. Of course, that's always been the Rangers' problem. They've got too many adequate guys in the outfield. Yeah, I, I mean, t- again, to me, one of the real concerns that showed up last year and that I had all winter long especially with the idea that Calhoun might be the opening day left fielder, you know, since that was some of the uh, talk during the offseason, was like, this outfield is going to be a real liability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and especially when your up. pitching staff's not very good. No, and it shows up. You know, it, it showed up against Houston. It, it showed up in that there were plays against Houston in the first series that didn't get made, and anything hit to the outfield against the Astros was caught. Yeah. Um, it showed up in Oakland in a game where, you know, Mazzara made two bad plays. Now, the next day he made a great throw and a great great fielding play, which I thought was really difficult to chase down a foul ball on that huge 
uh, foul, foul territory, territory and, and, and retrieve it right where it's rolling over the rubber home plate, on the dirt, or rolling onto the seam of the grass there. Right. And I don't know if you're aware of this. It's not the best kept stadium in America. Oh, no. No, really it's not. Uh, so I thought he made a terrific play there. Um, but you're saying there was a homeless guy over there in the corner? <laughs> no, there was not. But um, he's he's got he's got some improving he needs to do. Um, yeah, to does. the best of his ability in right field. Uh, Odor uh, is not a great defensive second baseman. No. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm digressing there. I, what, what my point was that I, I think that defense, outfield defense around baseball has become much more athletic, and teams view yep. it as a way to improve their pitching staffs. And yep. the Rangers are, were either slow to identify that or their their guys just don't match up well that way. I think it's more that. I think, you know, here's the thing about the Rangers. You know, they keep drafting, uh, signing athletic guys, you know. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and let's be clear, too, on Calhoun. You know, I think that the preference initially from the Dodgers would have been Alex Verdugo, who's a better defender capable of playing center field. You mean the Rangers to take him in the yes, trade. Instead yeah. of instead of Calhoun, yeah. the Dodgers weren't going to go there. They weren't going to deal Walker Beeler, the, the the pitching prospect. They weren't going to deal Verdugo, the center field prospect. And so the Rangers were left with, okay, we've got this guy with, you know, really good hitting skills. Yeah. But the offensive the offensive pa- the uh, defensive package isn't as sharp. Well, let's let's take an NBA analogy here. I don't want to undersell this thing cuz I'm very intrigued by Willie Calhoun. There have been plenty of guys in the NBA who go, all they can do is shoot. If if all you can do is shoot now, if you're if, if you're going to shoot 40, 45% from, th- from the, the three-point line, uh, you're going to find a place in the NBA. If you can't do anything else, they will take you simply because of that. And it, it's the same thing in, in the big leagues in baseball. If you can hit and hit like he's going to hit, people will take you, and I would take you. Because I will just have to put up with the fact that you really can't play a position right now as long as you've got Shinsu Chu, who, by the way, is had a pretty good start. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: Chu made um, a couple of defen- good defensive plays in in, in right wow, field. Wow, it's suddenly dark. He's run with a little bit more aggressiveness. He ran with some aggressiveness last aggressiveness last night, and for a guy who is about to be 35 years old, uh, I have been impressed by his start. He's in good shape. Um, I, again, I think the contract still looks bad because he's not a $20 million a year player. Nope. But he's going to give you above average on base. Uh, he, if he can stay healthy, uh, he can play the outfield not at a great level, but I think he, he can still get out there and, and give you a respectable performance out there. No worse than the, the rest of the guys. No. Not no, really. No. So, uh, so now uh, uh, Rudy Odor has got a uh, hammy. Uh, so do we have a read on that yet? Uh, it was announced last night as a strain, and that tells me he's going on the DL. Uh, if if there was any chance that it was just a day-to-day thing, it would have been announced as he left the game with slight discomfort in his hamstring or discomfort right. in his hamstring. When it's announced as a strain, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going on the DL. They will take an MRI today uh, to get a better sense of, of just how severe it is, but I, I – I get the sense it's significant. So significant meaning a month? Uh, I would bet, yeah, I would bet at least three weeks. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. So then, so that means that Jerkson Profar gets an extended look at second base. Correct. Which is good. You know, I, I, th- I think, frankly, this is not such a bad thing. 
you know, that, uh, I mean, you know, Dora needs to be playing, too, to kind of work out his kinks. Well, I'm going to say this. This is what it does. It forces him to play pro four. And I thought, yeah. again, in in the whole scheme of things, and again, we, I'll, I'll go back to not everything progresses linearly. And you may think that you're going to see pro four three times a week. Yeah. But the first 10 days of the season, you're trying to get guys into flow. And so maybe, you know, the, the same system doesn't work right there. But this forces them to play Jerickson Profar on a day-to-day basis. It forces them to play him against right-handers and left-handers. It forces them to take a good long look at him and make some decisions. Uh, and and hopefully, for for their decision-making process, when Odor does come back at that point in time, they will be committed to playing Profar at least three days a week and doing it however they need to. If that's you know, one day at second, one day at short, one day at third, whatever. I think they need to get him multiple starts per week and a lot of them being consecutive. He needs to to show, though, he deserves that. And and sure. I, I agree with you 100% because here's – but here's the problem. With Elvis off to such an, uh, a great start, do you really want to set Elvis down when you're struggling as much, even even one day a week? You know, that's a hard thing to do. You can DH Elvis that day. You, you could. You could do that. You can be a little more creative. So, uh, so I, I think there are, there are things they could do, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And this is one of the things we were just talking about, playing the young guys, finding out about them. This, uh, uh, if anything else, this is the season you've got to find out about people. Correct. And, and, and that would be a success story for the Rangers in this season of transition. As, and I think it's a nice way to put, you know, uh, the Rangers are going to stink. <laughs> I, it's going to be an uphill battle for them. I mean, I I, I think that um, you know they had they have lost eight games. Uh, in six of those games, they have trailed by five runs or more. Yeah. Uh, in seven of those losses, they've trailed by four runs or more. Yeah. Um, those are those are situations in which you know you basically say those are non-competitive games. Right. That's bad. It is. Bad. Uh, and and so there's there's a lot of reasons to think that. You know, the things that they were hoping for that they would hit on with the pitching staff may not come to fruition. Yeah, I'm not thinking they are either. Uh, and uh, so we'll we'll see where that goes. Well, they're about to run us out of here because they're going to have a, a thing here, some some kind of thing called TV. Uh, and they're going to and they're going to put Rudy Bush on on TV, which is really the sad state of affairs in journalism today that uh, someone like Rudy Bush would also be on television. <laughs> I, I go back to Rudy Bush, Mobile, Alabama guy. And Is he Mobile, really? Mobile's a hotbed for baseball people. Hammer and Hank Aaron's, uh, wasn't it yesterday the anniversary of Hammer and Hank's 715? That I was, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you heard that. Rudy is saying this was the anniversary of Hammer and Hank's 715th. It was April 8th, uh, was the anniversary. It would be. 44 years, which was Hank Aaron's number. Wow, a magical um, day. And secondly, the Rangers' number one pick from last year, Bubba Thompson, is from Mobile. And the guy who was the uh, great performer in spring training, Distin Hood, also from Mobile. So and there. Ivan Mazel, also from Mobile. Look at that. Look at that. How about that? Where's he playing? Eddie Stanky, he's saying he's saying that Eddie Stanky's from Mobile. He managed the game. He he managed one game. If he had been in this, if he had managed this season, he would not have made it the entire game. He He'd said, have left after the third inning. He said, "Take me back to Mobile." <laughs> he just said after a, after a, about an inning or two of Matt Moore, he just said, "That's enough." I want to go back to the University of South Alabama. <laughs> Woo boy! Uh, 
Yeah. All right. Well, we better go before we infringe on Rudy's TV time. Yeah. Uh, we will see you all soon. Where, um, where, where can you get this uh, podcast? Uh, I believe you can get it. If you haven't already gotten it, you can get it on the uh, Apple iTunes store. It's the Ballsy Podcast, B-A-L-L-Z-Y. Search for Ballsy. That's Ballsy with a Z. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for Kevin Sherrington, I'm Evan Grant. We will talk to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.